Okay, so welcome to another episode of Nordic Surfers Magazine Conversations Podcast with me, Joshua B. Kirkman. I have a very interesting guest here today, and we're going to have a discussion about something a little bit out of the box for this podcast so far. Um, sitting opposite me is a young entrepreneur from Skorna. Uh, his name is Jan Persson, and he is the founder and the slave to <laughs> Revolve. He's the one man doing everything. So welcome to the podcast, Jan. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you. Do you want to just explain to the listener where exactly we're sitting and why we're sitting here at the moment? Right now, we're sitting at Kristianstad Airport, which is quite special, actually, because today it's um, a big event for businesses around this, uh, this region. So there's a lot of event speakers and some prizes to be... Awarded? Awarded, yeah. 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 You're one of the potential recipients of this uh, prize, right? Actually, I am. So I'm in the finals for an innovation prize. Uh huh. And what's this innovation prize all about? Like what? Uh, yeah. It's about like sustainability and to like produce something or innovate something that has great benefits to the environment. Okay. Well, that's a nice segue. So I just wanted to let the listener know that if they hear any planes take off or any weird beeping noises, that's because we're literally sitting on the side of the um of the runway here at uh, at Kruhan Studs Airport. Um, innovation, sustainability, what exactly are you doing and why are they so interested in it? Like, do you want to give the listener a bit of a rundown of who you are and what you're working on? Sure. Well, as you told before, I'm a young entrepreneur. So I started off, well, my journey started uh, as a surfer, like water sports when I was 12 years old. I was windsurfing a lot, competing in windsurfing. And when I went out traveling, I picked up surfing more and more. And then I just left the sailing and board on, on the shelf and just started with surfing. Uh, and for me, I'm quite a driven guy. So I wanted to create something new and different. Uh, I was looking on the surf market, what's out there and what's not. And when you're out traveling, you see like ocean pollution. You see people not really taking care of the trash. They just leave it on the streets. So, and I think that was one of the starts to me, for me to, to think about doing something different that's more sustainable. You take uh, stuff that you see as a waste and use that as a resource. Um, and that's, that's the start of it. And then to get like the product, it wasn't really a, a, a straight line to do surf accessories. But I soon found out that that was the way to go with Revolve to do more sustainable surf accessories. So did you, um, with the with the focus on surf accessories, had you looked at the market quite a lot beforehand to kind of do an analysis of, you know, was this where the opportunity was in your opinion? Yeah, I thought it was a great opportunity uh, for unleashing, for an instance, that's been not really developed in material-wise on many, many years. So that was one of the reasons that I started off with that. To give the listener some maybe context about the problem of or the environmental problem in leashes, like what what is the problem with leashes um, that are made, you know, in the in the normal way? Well, the problem is not really the leashes. The problem is how it's produced, like the materials and fabrics you're using. Um, you can use more recycled content fabrics. Uh, and like f for a couple of years ago, like the normal 
the normal person that was thinking about a recycled product like recycled content product uh, find it weak but that's not the truth anymore that's not the truth so you can make a really high performance product with sustainable content uh, so the problem isn't the leash itself it's actually the materials and fabrics that is made of uh, a lot of it is petroleum based uh, I'm using plant-based uh, and also like I'm using recycled PET bottles because that's like we consume a lot of PET bottles for like soda pop to use for waters and like all liquid sort of things uh, and people are really bad at recycle that here in Sweden we're quite good because we have a recycle system you when you buy the product you pay a small fee which is including the price and then when you return that bottle empty bottle to, to a station you get your money back uh, and that's a good way to recycle um, but many many countries you don't do that you just no. throw down on the street and it ends up in the ocean or landfills and even places where there are good waste management systems I find that these bottles still end up in the wrong place they do and I think that's also lack of uh, education uh, people haven't really seen the problem with plastic until mm. recently uh, uh, so I think that's a big problem as well that people don't really take care of the trash mm, exactly um, excuse the wind gusts uh, as we have this conversation on the tarmac here today um, one of the um, I guess the problem is the problem we, we I guess you've just you've just communicated really that the leashes themselves are, are okay if they have the right material inputs um, and that is something that you've been working on with revolve and um, and all that but I guess um, to, to focus on a different part of the story because uh, many of the listeners would know about revolve already and, and the, the product that you've made and the work that you've done but how has the entrepreneurial journey been for you and how did that start um, actually it started I was a previous uh, purchaser a buyer uh -huh. at an in industrial factory um, I was quite unhappy with the work I was doing uh, I really want to move forward and have something I was quite driven and I want to create something so that was actually a start for me to create Revolve uh, and it hasn't been really easy I was quitting my job at the same day I went to visit some some potential factories and that was even before I knew I was making surf accessories like a leash uh -huh. so I just went out there to see to develop something where, where were these factories? They were, were in China, in Asia. Oh, so you quit your job yeah, yeah. and just went to China? Yeah, exactly. With no brand or product? True. <laughs> uh, and I didn't know that part of the story. No, nah, because I really wanted to see like, how it's made, how it's produced. Um, many people think that it's not good to have production in China, but for a global brand, the logistics is quite good to have in China. You're close to US market, you're close to Australia, mm. you're, you're close to the big surf destinations. Sure. Uh, and also, China is doing heaps of work to get more green energy, mm. um, like electric vehicles, for instance. If you're, if you're buying a car, you buy like a registration plate, which is really expensive. Mm. But if you have electric electric vehicle, you have a smaller fee to get that's into an electric vehicle coming <laughs> past us right now <laughs> <laughs> a luggage truck yeah 
Uh, interesting. Yeah. So they they're doing quite a lot for that, and also every time I'm I'm there visiting my factories, uh, I see new solar panels. I see wind generators. Mm. I, they they're doing quite a lot in yeah. like bigger areas to to really improve their environment, which we in the Western world has been a great part in destroying. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, what are some of the um, what were some of the things that surprised you about China when you arrived there, um, so fresh? You know, uh, I've been in Asia many times before, but the thing that I really find difficult is actually the language. Yeah, sure. Uh, because not many people in China know English. Mm-hmm. But I was fortunate enough that I had one of my best friends living in Shanghai by then. Uh-huh. So that was my first stop. So I visited him and he speaks fluently Mandarin. Uh-huh. So he helped me, uh, helped me quite a lot. So I was calling him on the phone when I was out traveling in different places. Hey, can you help me out here? What to do? And can you can you translate this? And he was a great help, actually. Uh-huh. So you had your own private translator. Yeah, I had. Cool, <laughs> cool. Um, entrepreneurship... Um, is kind of many things, right? There's a, so much that happens when you when you do a startup. Um, you, your starting point is quite interesting to me that you literally just went to China without really knowing what you were going to make or do. Uh, so that's super interesting. When you settled on the um, on the surf accessories decision, what were some of the first steps you took um, to start creating this product and, and getting it to market? And just bear in mind, I want to try and... Uh, I want the listener who any of the listeners out there who are thinking of doing their own startup, you know, it'd be good if you can give them a few tips about yeah. what not to do along the way. Yeah. The first tip I have is actually people are f- like waiting to have that idea, that good idea. But in my opinion, there's nothing as a good idea until you have an idea and make something out of it. So don't wait for it. If you have an idea, just start because yeah. you will you will like cross different paths you will like change direction yeah maybe after a week or two or maybe after two years you yeah. never know but just start because that's the best platform to to go off in so uh that's what what i was thinking as well when i was starting i, I need to start to 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 go forward yeah um and for me as well sorry i lost it well what are the some of the starting points with, yeah, yeah. with entrepreneurship like what are some of the challenges in the very beginning so you're saying don't get too hung up on getting yeah, the perfect true, idea. True, Just get yeah. started with yeah. the ideas you have. And that's 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 the best I- advice I got. And yeah. for me, I was starting looking on the materials and fabrics because I knew that in Asia, China, it's a lot of mass production without anything about environment. Yeah. Because businesses, of course, they need a markup and margins. Yeah. Uh, and sponsored athletes gonna have their share and yeah, yeah it's sure. a many many mouths to get f- to feed um so i was actually looking at the fabrics itself uh the factory i went to I asked them do you can you make this uh with recycled content yes it is recycled content the answer was okay but for me as a buyer i knew that that was bullshit uh-huh because uh, i needed to see proof of that sure uh, if you have recycled fabric or or if you have more sustainable products than the other ones that produce because those factories they supply their own fabrics materials yeah uh, so they just want to sell and they don't they don't mind if you just buy one time because they want just to 
keep Keeps selling. Yeah, exactly. Keep selling. Uh, so that was one of the biggest um, mountains to climb to get that right fabric and material. So instead of approaching the factories, mm. I approached uh, the fabrics and materials instead. Okay. Yeah, instead of the like normal, like for instance, if if a surfboard is made in China, they supply all the content for the surfboard, all the materials themselves. Right. Uh, and like you can put your brand in it if you like. Sure. So yeah, but but with uh, the materials, like with like a virgin, a yeah, yeah, like a virgin materials. Yeah. But I wasn't interested in that just to label product because yeah. I wanted to do like a more sustainable product, and yeah. then I need to look beyond or like before the, f- the assembling factory comes in in the picture right so i had to like move backwards and stuff to to like in the start of the chain yeah and then i was looking to to fact uh, fabrics that was made of post-consumer pet bottles yeah uh, so i started off there and and along that way it, t- it took like i think it took two years something like that until I had a finished product two years yeah two years of working on this yeah yeah. crazy how many hours do you think you were putting into it over those two years it's hard to say but eight to ten hours a day seven days a week maybe (laughs) Um, it's it's really hard it's really hard so full full freaking time yeah yeah. Yeah. because because you're not really always working uh, working at it but you're your head spinning. Yeah. You constantly think of new ways of doing something. You, sure. you see new potential in everything. Mm. Even if you just like pour water in a glass, you think, how can I make that better? <laughs> Maybe you can't, but yeah. Sure. You, you're just constantly thinking about it. Okay. Um, one of the questions, I guess, a, a quick follow-on question. Like, I mean, with this much time being put into something, what, you know, there must have been many times when you could have just given up and gone and got a job that... Like, was there ever a moment in those two years without a product made where you were just like, this is a stupid idea? Not really. Um, I was convinced that I could make it. And of course, it took a lot of time. But in that time as well, was creating like a brand name, the logotype for the brand, website, and just try to build it at the same time as I was developing the product. Yeah. Um, So for me... It's not like either a win or lose. It's like I either I win or like I gain knowledge. Yeah. I, I never lose. I, I see it as it's not a failure if you can't make it because you learn so much along the way, sure. which you can put into a different product or like a different job. Sure. Sure. Um, one of the I have a, a little history in entrepreneurship as well, but one of the things I um, was quite interested in, I'd love to get your opinion on this as well. There's a lot of different services um, around in Scorna. I know that there is plenty and, and up in Stockholm as well. There's lots of incubation services. There's lots of startup services. There's all kinds of innovation hubs and organizations that are mostly government supported and they have some money and that's what you might win here today in Krihuanstad. There's a bit of money for first prize and there's a lot of this happening. Um, what was your, what's your take on that? Like, is it worth an entrepreneur or potential entrepreneur who might be listening to this? Um, is it worth them engaging with these startup services in Sweden, in your opinion, or are they better off just focusing on the product and getting it to market um, and doing it all themselves. I think it's a good way to approach those incubators and science parks because you 
can't really know everything yourself. Uh, for me, I knew that they're out there. So it was quite interesting of what can I gain from, from them? What do they know that I don't know? So mm. it's more curiosity yeah. when, when I approach them. But I was quite far ahead already uh-huh. in my head and what I was like developing. So it's quite funny because the incubator I was talking to, he was just like, well, John, you made quite a lot of effort for this. And it seems like you're really convinced. I haven't met a guy that's that driven like you are. Mm. And I'm working in an incubator service, <laughs> like in Science Park. So that was quite funny. And I remember we were like writing on a whiteboard just in the beginning. He was like, can you tell me like the biggest surfer in the industry, like the bigger, biggest brands? And I was just like telling him, from my opinion, what was the biggest surfer, biggest brands? Yeah. And it was quite interesting that a year later, I have a collaboration with one of them. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, you would have written Kelly Slater on the board. And yeah. one year later, you've, yeah. you've done a deal with um, Slater Designs. Let's talk about that for a second, because that was a pretty big step for you. We might come back to the entrepreneurship chat a bit more, but this is part of it. Collaborations. Um, many companies out there are doing collaborations now. Um, I guess they're usually seen as a strategic way to grow brand awareness and also get the product out in front of as many people as possible. How hard was it? Obviously, you're you know not everyone listening to this has signed an NDA, so you know you can only share as much <laughs> as you will. But with these collaborations, like how, how what is a kind of are they a good idea? Are they a bad idea? What are the pluses and minuses if you know for other entrepreneurs or potential entrepreneurs out there who are considering collaborations? What's your opinion? Well, when I was approached by Slater Designs and Firewire uh, at the expo in Orlando, uh, I was quite open to a potential collaboration. I didn't say yes or no. I just like everything's up for discussion. Sure. So for me, I think it's uh, depends on the case so it's from case to case if it's a good or n- or a bad decision for mm. the company but you never know that until you've been having the collaboration for some time mm. if it was a good or bad decision sure uh, but I think like for everyone I think you should like uh, get that um, possibility yeah to 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 discuss potential uh, collabs uh, for me that was like a great feather in the hat that they were interested in what I was doing sure. the first exhibition and I was approached by them and they were quite driven um, to like Kelly get to Kelly to try the leash um, the day after they approached me one of the guys were flying out to Hawaii to meet up with Kelly so I gave them a couple of leashes for him to try and he tried out for like half a year a year sure. So that was quite interesting, uh, quite nervous, but still sure. I was like pretty stoked about it. Didn't break, did it? Didn't break. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So, I mean, the, the collaboration is still ongoing, so I'm not going to ask you about your opinion on whether this one has been necessarily a good idea or not. If you, I don't know what you want to share on that. Um, it seems great that Kelly's been writing it and, and it seems to me from the outside that, I mean, if Kelly Slade is writing your thing, you know, using your product, it seems like a good thing to me. Um, but back to some of the decisions now wh- when it comes to entrepreneurship. I mean, you have been working on this practically yourself as the main kind of driver behind this. You've been using a few of these different services um, f- 
from the innovation systems that are available. What are maybe for the listener just to f- so they fully understand what the opportunity might be through these innovation hubs. What are some of the things that you've gathered? Like what what's a list of like here's what you actually brought to Revolve through these innovation systems, whether that be like expertise for free that might have been available, money like cash that might have been available as grants. Are there any examples that you can give that might fully paint the picture of what's possible? Yeah, first off, they have great uh, knowledge. Mm. As many of those people, like all of those people, have been having companies themselves in different, sure. uh, like in different niches. Some was in sport market, and some in different like. Um, so to get like a platform to to more like a project plan what's next how do you reach the market how do you market your product how do you like all that project planning is a good way to start off in a incubator mm. and as well in the developing process it costs heaps of money mm. uh, so for me they had some grants that i could apply for yeah i got some yeah and some i didn't got uh-huh. but that helped me a lot mm. to get those grants because it start off with like small ones to bigger ones depends on where you are in the process and sure. some have different uh, uh, you need to be like different sizes of the company or you're going to be a sustainable company sure uh, so there's different takes on the grants but first of the knowledge and then the grant that's a really bonus if you get some mm. i think you should put some time to have like a uh, a standard format of how to apply on for those funds and grants because sure. it takes a lot of time to write that every single time yeah because there's heaps of them yeah uh, i spent like many many hours or days if we're going to cal- like calculate yeah. hours to, sure. to write those uh, to those um, funds and uh, grants so, t- so to say did it did it help you being a sustainability product it helps a lot because everyone moves in that direction uh, so for me, when I started off, there was quite new, um, of course, in the sports industry. So that was quite good. But the difficult for me in Sweden as a surf brand is that people can't really relate to that. They're more relating to IT business. Like, sure. uh, yeah, Hardware is like, not really a thing no, here, is it? No, it's more software. Mm. Uh, how to digitalize instead of like having a, yeah. a physical product. But... I was quite good to talk about the market and how people are really putting their money into it. Because if you're a surfer or if you play golf or whatever, like uh, that costs some money. If you're gonna buy boots or golf clubs, yep. you want to invest your earnings in your in your in your sport or your interest. Even for a musician, yeah, you, you like pay heaps of money for a great guitar heaps. that feels good. Yeah, so you're like available to get your money into to your like your f- your spare time if you like surfing you you're more than happy to buy a new surfboard yeah yeah with um was it often the case in the nordics or in sweden i guess was it often the case that people kind of were surprised that you were even doing a surf product yeah i in and s- how did you overcome that you know because i was quite like of course i listened to people but if I made up my mind, nothing can really stop me. Mm. Um, some of my surf mates, they were like, "Well, good luck. I don't think you're gonna succeed, more or less." Oh, cool! Like, yeah, it doesn't gonna Thanks, work. Thanks, guys. It doesn't gonna work. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, so that's quite interesting as well. So of course, when you got get those people, 
that don't really see what you're doing of course i have a lot in my head so i can't really like say to everyone well this is what i'm gonna do because of this and that yeah Uh, so maybe they didn't get the whole picture of it sure um but you need those people as well that doesn't believe in you because that's something you overcome you want Mm. to to show them well it was possible it wasn't really of course it's hard but Mm. it's manageable you can make it sure one of the things i've um I've noticed with entrepreneurship and I, I'd like to get your thoughts on this that there's a certain amount of delusion of the founder the founder has to basically believe that their thing which probably doesn't exist yet deserves a place in the world and they see it before anyone else so it's kind of like having like an imaginary friend that you know you're like no no, no trust me it's real like it really is real this is a great idea and you have to believe in something before others believe in it um, do, do you agree that there's this certain amount of kind of faith in your own idea that is on the borderline of delusion sometimes? Like you have to kind of be just not too far into the delusion because then you're just completely tripping out and, you know, there's lots of inventors that have invented stupid things that were really meaningless, yeah. but they just believed that it was so good. But then, you know, if you're too kind of close to the mainstream, what's the use of even doing it? Because it's not going to you know be a product it'll just be like other things that are already existing so did you do you find that you you've always been that person particularly with revolve have you been that guy with that kind of like little bit out there compared to the rest of course you have as you say that you have some visions and you can imagine like way too far away yeah like it's not like it's more like science fiction than like real world exactly but i was thinking like keep it simple as well Mm. not of course that the market and the world is changing the society is changing so what we see as like for like our cell phones for instance mm. who would have thought that you have a calculator you have a camera you have like yeah, it's internet you have everything in, in a small device in your pocket everything. for like 50 years ago yeah, yeah, yeah. No so so everything is developing and for me it's good as well to be like to don't have any limits mm. the sky is the limit just like uh, just be free and like have your like crazy visions and illusions because sooner or later some of that part of it mm. you can adapt and use it in your products mm. but as well it's important to keep it simple so the end user can understand what it is mm. and why it's good to tell them about the story why you're doing it as well mm. but if you're way too far away they can't really adapt yeah they can't see they can't join you nah, on the journey exactly mm. and with that then on this more practical level now of the actual use case of the product today um what have been some of the maybe some of the parts that have surprised you about the product adoption or has there been things that have not happened the way you thought they would with the with the actual product in the market today what are some of your early insights the early insights i actually did a kickstarter as a start to finance the first production run uh-huh. but i didn't succeed on that uh-huh. uh, i know why i didn't succeed on it and that's because of marketing because i didn't let the market know in a great advance that uh-huh. something new is coming out and it's like um and tell about the story behind it so sure. I just went live because I wanted to get it out of the market. <laughs> so that's why you believed succeed. in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I believed in it. So if you're going to do a Kickstarter or other like crowdfunding campaigns, 
make the marketing, tell them about the story, and do that a couple of months before you launch the project. Okay. Like, and that helps a lot to, to get the fundings. Sure. Uh, so that was a bit of a downside in the start. Uh-huh. But I managed to get the first production run anyway. Uh-huh. And, and, and to get into to a great exhibition to show off the product. So, yeah, that's, that's quite hard actually in the start. What about the other side? I mean, I know this story already, but I think it's important maybe to get it out there in this podcast. But you've been working a real job the whole time that you've yeah, been doing this essentially of. now. Uh, as a start, I was studying, uh-huh. uh, like um, flexible studies, sure. so in remote service. So a bit of CSN keeping you moving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, CSN sure. keeping me moving. But yeah. then, then I felt like the study took, studies took a lot of time sure. with like for the for the head to work right mm. uh, to process everything you're making in in the school so then i started to to get an extra job instead to uh-huh. make make a live not a real living but to have roof over my head got some food sure uh, so that that is actually what i did for like yeah, more than a year right and what exactly were you doing uh, working at cheese factory, right? <laughs> so no, I, mean, I think Cheesy. it's super cool. But is there a point like what were you were you on the production line of the cheese factory? Yeah, both in the production line and also receiving the trucks uh, that get the milks in. With that type of job, it seems like it's very predictable and quite monotonous. Like it's the same thing it over is. and over again. Yeah. Is that has that been a useful type of employment for you to take? Because with Revolve, you're constantly innovating yep. and doing so many different things. So is that maybe a little bit of an insight for any potential entrepreneurs that that yeah. this boring work, I think, that you might be yeah. able to call it, is actually useful because it frees your mind? I think that's a good benefit. So if you're going to have an extra job, have something that you don't really need to put in a lot of emph- effort with your like thinking and to, yeah. to actually to produce something. Sure. Um, more than like packing cheese or like you're just in your bubble and when you're at work you can like think about your business the next step and if you had a good meeting the day before you can like evaluate that meeting or well you're packing the cheese or whatever exactly Mm. so you're just in your bubble yeah Uh, and i kind of enjoy that when i have the business because that's where i get my time to not shine but i think you get get what i mean yeah um I had my time to really do what I love mm. uh, but at the same time an extra job when you're working shifts like daytime evening or night shifts yeah that's quite exhausting because sure. you don't get time to recover mm. and that's one next good tip is actually take time for your health eat good mm. exercise get good rest mm. and take care of your family as well because mm. when you're in that moment where you don't recover you come to a certain limit where you have a lot of stress, where mm. you can't sleep. Yeah. And then you really need to like take it easy, think like go inside instead, to think about it and just try to to get the good parts of your life and focus on that as well to recover. Have you been successful in all those things yourself or do you recognize <laughs> that you know have you had your challenges there i had great challenging challenges uh, for the stress levels and all that kind of like family friends and stuff like that uh, and i learned my lesson from it mm. because i didn't see it prior to it happened mm. um, but i've been really good to listen to the body uh, you learn that it's not like you wake up one day and well i'm exhausted 
<laughs> it, it takes time. It builds up over time because you yeah. don't feel it until it's kind of too late. Mm. Not really like hit the wall, like the famous yeah. saying in Sweden, but close to it. You see some some major um, signs that you're really, really close to get too tired, too stressed out. Okay, so I think we've covered a really interesting part of the whole journey here around entrepreneurship. What's the, as I guess, a closing kind of remark on it all um what stage is the business at today like what are you kind of what can you share about what's currently happening with revolve today and where does it go from here right now we have some quite interesting things coming new products which i can't really say much about that's but cool. we have some products in the developing phase uh, also to grow on a global market there's some new potential distributors mm. um, and to get growing as well, you need money. Mm. And as a startup, you're always struggling with the cash flow. Mm. So we're in, in a phase that we're gonna get some funds as well. Okay, so fundraising with investors. Exactly, exactly. And what are some of the, I mean, is that much fun for you? Is that a, is that a part of, is that just another thing you do that you just kind of figure out along the way? Or is there anything that you've learned about that so far? I think there's something you learn along the way as well that you want to as long as you can keep your shares in the company as for as long as possible mm. because you put your blood sweat and tears in it yeah so of course you're gonna be profitable as well uh, but try to make it on your own as long as possible mm. until you get the funding and also you need to get to a certain level until the, the investors interest in your company sure you need to show proof of concept yeah yeah and you've shown that seems like it <laughs> well great we'll, we'll wrap it up there i mean thank you so much for um sharing those kind of insights for everyone listening um i think that uh maybe i'll put a shout out to everyone to say that you know if anyone has any follow-on questions um for yarn about entrepreneurship in general um if you've got your own stories about your journey in entrepreneurship as well please feel free to share them um as as yarn i guess mentioned in this in this podcast episode you know you learn stuff from everywhere along the way so if anyone out there wants to share their stories with us we'd, we'd love to hear them i'm sure everyone else that uh that listens to this podcast or who are associated with Nordic Surfers magazine and who are thinking about doing their own startup. Um, yeah, it's, it's been really great to hear from Jan around that and, and I'm sure that many of you out there have um, lots of stories to share as well. So thank you, Jan, for, you. for stopping at the airport to have a chat today and good luck with this uh, next step with Revolve and this, uh, this interesting journey with the fundraising and all the investors. Do you wear a suit, by the way, or do you brush your hair? No, not no. really. <laughs> <laughs> not really. All right, so it stays true all the way, all the way. Okay, thank you for that. That's been another episode of Nordic Surfers Magazine Conversations Podcast with me, Joshua B. Kirkman.